Hello and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar Podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Hanging in there, Justin. How about yourself? Well, as we all know, uh, you are not well, and that's why we're a little late in uh, post uh, in doing this podcast because you are suffering from bronchitis. Yeah, it was a tough week, but uh, we're rounding back into shape, hopefully. Well, we appreciate you uh, appreciate you coming back. I was beginning to shop around for a new guest host. <laughs> well, appreciate your patience, Curb. Uh, let's uh, let's hop right in, shall we? Hop away. Let's start with Mid Ohio. Um, in the rearview mirror now a bit. Uh, a lot of discussion uh, out there about uh, various and sundry in there. Uh, I've got a few comments, Curb. Uh, you didn't go, correct? Uh, no, I remember I had bronchitis, so no, I didn't go. Uh, right. Were you considering? <laughs> I, I had been. On the basis of what you saw on television and your previous being there, crowd-wise, what would you say? Normal, better than normal, less than normal? Um, I thought it looked normal, but I know that, uh, you know, like Hinchcliffe on his podcast, uh, Proclaimed it the biggest crowd ever. But, you know, Saturday, I watched the qualifying on Saturday, and I was impressed with the crowd on Saturday for qualifying. So A risky weekend, uh, any kind of holiday weekend, I think, is a risky weekend for a race. But, yeah, this one seemed to work. Well, they they got a pretty dedicated, uh, you know, camping crowd there. They kind of blamed the holiday when they tried to run at Watkins Glen many years ago on uh, 4th of July. But, yeah, they kind of blamed that on it being so far away from the big cities on the East Coast. Mid-Ohio is pretty centrally located in the Midwest. Lots of people that, that like to go to the races and camp. It's it's an easy easy place to get to for them. And Well, uh, glad it was uh, successful, at least on that front, although the ratings were not uh, in, awe-inspiring again. Yeah, I can't quite figure that one. I think even the TV lineups seemed to be in their favor, didn't they? I mean, I think it was – they, you know, they got the, the, the network slot, and NASCAR was on USA uh, Network, and – and I think the NASCAR race started later than the IndyCar race, so you, you know, you really didn't have any head-to-head racing competition, so uh, pretty disappointing. Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's a concern. I'll be interested to hear kind of, not that you'll get it, but it would be interesting to know what NBC's you know view at the uh, of the season at the end of this year will be. Anyways, Curb, uh, Joseph Newgarden for the second race in a row has proved himself to be less than congenial in my book uh, <laughs> with his post-qualifying uh, interview where he can't just seem to kind of not let his negative side out there. Well, you don't want him to be a choir boy, do you? I, I don't know what I want him to be. Uh, you and I have discussed this. I, I, I For some reason, he, I just... I don't dislike him, but I don't like him. I, I either want him to be either more, uh, more of like super negative, like that was terrible and everybody's rubbish and blah blah blah, or just like you know, look, it happened. Moving on. You mean calling Jimmy Johnson a slowpoke wasn't harsh enough? Well, he stopped short of it, right? He stopped short of really letting it go. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll accept a bit of that. You're right. I mean, that was pretty. That's the first anti-Johnson uh, comment I've seen uh, come out of uh, anybody, frankly. Uh, and also, you know, the trend we're noticing again is uh, Jimmy Johnson is falling off the commentary pitch. They finally have decided, I guess, not to 
go over that old tale over and over again as he's bringing up the rear. But yeah, it's you can't keep pumping that forever, right? He's got the ovals right now, so I'm sure he'll start getting pumped up again in the gateway when that comes around. Well, I hope he does well. Along with everybody, I'd like to see the guy do better. But man, it's uh, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day. We were talking about uh, some of the sporting activities I do, and you know, they kind of made the point like you don't get better at anything after 50. You know, <laughs> right. um, I'm not sure you get better at racing cars after 40. You know, like you can't learn new things. But but I'm not stopping, and I uh, hope Jimmy Johnson doesn't. Korean, I'd also like to highlight a mistake I made. And I want to share it with the group here because I think it's an important lesson, life lesson. Do tell. So I was placing my bets for the race. And again, I was traveling. So, you know, I'm always a little discombobulated when I'm traveling. Can't really seem to have the focus that I'd I'd like to have. And I was so confident of Joseph Newgard not only taking the poll and, and just qualify, you know, qualifying well and winning the race that I made the mistake of placing a bet on him at uh, you know 3.5 to 1 to win before qualifications. It just occurred to me that you should never place your IndyCar bets before they qualify, especially at a track like uh, Mid-Ohio, because you know obviously what happened happened, and then his odds shot up to like 10 to 1. IndyCar betting odds are that fluid? Yeah. Um, so he was... 3.5 to 1 to win before qualifications and then shot up to 10 to 1 after qualifications. I don't remember what Will Power was before qualifications, but he's 20 to 1 after. I still ended up winning money, amazingly, I'd say. I did have uh, the winner picked along with a few others. And I. Well, you start a, a King Hero a tip line, don't we? Just, yeah. Uh, 99 cents a minute to get the IndyCar betting insights from Justin. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's, uh, what's, what's your free tease for the uh, Toronto race? I'll give you uh, some free. I'll give you free. I'll give you my best pick plus your horoscope. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was a little comical to me to hear Dixon complaining about, uh, you know, the, the yellows now. Now that they're letting everybody get, you know, pitted. Uh, right. Before they throw the caution, and now he's complaining about it. I I, I just kind of wanted to say, Scott, shut up. You know, <laughs> I I know you were anticipating this, but I mean, you would have complained bitterly, you know, years previous when you were on the outside of that deal looking in. And well, they they all have. Yeah. yeah, and it's so much better that they don't do that because then it's a real race. Like what was becoming frustrating about all those road courses and, and street courses with IndyCar the last few years is like the unlucky yellow comes and the guy who should win the race is now in 15th. They're doing what they can to avoid that by, you know, not throwing the caution until everybody gets in. And thank God that they're doing that. I, I don't get him complaining about that. Other than this time, it didn't suit him. Well, that's probably where it starts. But I mean, I, I don't I never had as much angst as others did about the way the yellows would screw things up from time to time, because usually the guys who got screwed were the ones who were stretching it and stretching it, putting themselves in that risk to begin with. Since I don't like fuel races from the start, anything you can do to, to encourage people to pit and, and run full uh, throttle and not be saving fuel the whole race is a, a positive to me. They got some kinks to work out. I don't know if you can hold it another lap or two. Well, I, look, there's no perfect solution to this, but I think you got to say, Curb, that 
this year, I mean, there's been a lot less of that kind of just random yellow, uh, dec- you know, making a victor. And I'd say there's a lot less of the fuel saving race. I haven't, you know, seen much of that this year either. So I would think you'd be over the moon and happy. No, oh, it's been a good season. And Dixon kind of made it sound like this was the first time they'd done that. And I think they've been trying to do that all season. Curb, uh, there's been endless chatter about the whole Andretti thing. And I don't feel like we need to, the Andretti team and everybody run into everybody. And, and I, I, I feel we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it. And I know you got some feelings on the matter. But can I mention one thing about it that seems to be lost in all this to me? Sure. And that is how they didn't bring Colton Herta into pit and ruined his race. <laughs> well, that's. Nobody's yeah. talking about that. Because they were using code words or something, you know, you know, red one, red one. And, and, and Colton's like, oh, what's, what the hell's red one? I mean, the guy was in contention. I thought it was even more ironic because it was his dad on the call and his dad is supposed to be the super, the super race strategist, right? Yeah, it, it was a little mind boggling. And it just, you know, we, we've talked about the endless mistakes Andretti over time, over the last few years. And it's just epitomizes it. That was bad, bad, bad. It's hard to see next year where this thing gets a whole lot better with their lineup. You know, you got Grosjean, Kirkwood, uh, Herta, and DeFrancesco. I can't help but wonder if they don't need to shake things up, you know, on the team side. There's too many mistakes, too much inconsistency, and too much being left on the track and not being executed. The only thing I think you can say about it is there's just a lot of bad things that happen to that team. You know, seemingly unrelated, random things, but it always seems to happen to that team. What What was your view on the whole Rossi uh, Grosjean thing? As far as Rossi and Grosjean, I'm not sure that Rossi was as guilty as he's made out to be. Paul Tracy had some comments in in Racer magazine that that kind of said the same thing. He said, uh, you know, Rossi or Grosjean's putting himself in a vulnerable spot there on the outside of the keyhole. The comments that uh, Nathan Brown overheard following the race were. Andretti and and Rossi's father are having a an emotional conversation. Um, what was interesting to me was Andretti's making the statement that uh, it's been getting worse, and today's the today's the end of it. I've, I'm done. And Rossi's dad, who's also his manager, isn't really fighting back. He's saying, "I understand. I understand. I don't know how hard it is just to do your job and and get along as a race car driver without without having to go get in fights with your teammates. You know, I don't uh, apparently pretty hard." You also got to wonder if your Arrow McLaren SP, you know, really comfortable driver lined up there and you're going to bring in a guy like Rossi and, you know, Award wants to be the top dog and Rossi wants to be the top dog. And Rosenquist is a pretty laid back dude, right? So um, so it's easy for those guys to get along, but I, I'm, I'm curious how well uh, Award and Rossi will coexist at Arrow McLaren SP, which I, going back to the incident. I think everything Paul Tracy said and you indicated is are, is true. However, Grosjean was on superior tires, you know, was probably going to get around anyways. And he's your teammate. So my view would be why fight that hard over that? And that's where I think the personality conflict came in, right? It's like, yeah, no, right. I'm not going to do it for him. Anyways, uh, Kirby, are you ready to veer on into some F1 talk? I got one more IndyCar question. Uh, we, we we briefly alluded to Will Power uh, having a, a wonderful race on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, 
this is twice now that he's overcome really poor qualifying efforts to to not only salvage a day but to score really good points where he, the win at Detroit and and the third place here at Mid Ohio. Um, and yeah, we're getting to that stretch of the season when often he's been lost the first half of the season and he comes on and reels off a bunch of of uh, strong races in the second half. Could it be his year? Short answer to that is I hope so, because uh, I really do. I would like to see him win. I, you know, people had him kind of written off as a as a contender for the championship, including uh, maybe a couple of people on this podcast. Right. And even now, I you know I feel like Newgarden and Palau are kind of the neck and necks here. I mean, I know all disrespect to uh, Erickson and uh, Power for that matter, but you know that's just kind mm-hmm. of the way I feel. And uh, so I don't think it's going to be easy, but if he is able to just kind of put a couple wins in here when he's got a great car, whether well, there's two races in Iowa, right? So right. that's that's a real New Garden stronghold. So, so he, he's got to make sure he just doesn't get obliterated by New Garden in Iowa. It'll be fun to watch. If you could pick one guy in the field right now to win the, you know, that would be the best story to win. I mean, other than Jimmy Johnson – uh, Will Power. Yeah, uh, I agree. Even Rossi said on his podcast, he said, "Man, I don't know what Power had, but he he said he came up behind me and just blew by me like I was standing still." Kerba, can we now veer into F1? If we must. You've already, you know, parried me once on that. Uh, can Bernie Eccleston? Yes. <laughs> I mean, now I'm going to say this: he's 91. Right. And I think people should just leave him alone. Sure. Now, I, I, I understand that he's agreeing to these interviews. I grant that he's, put, he's putting himself out there. And I agree that he's probably making efforts to be heard. So, you know, a lot of people would say, well, he gets what he gets. But I, he's 91. So I'm going to I'm going to say if you got a nine in the first digit of your age that you really should either be you should be given the benefit of the doubt in what you say and realize that, number one, you're from a totally different era. And number two is you probably don't have all your faculties, okay. you know. He's from a different era. He just sold Formula One four years ago, didn't he? four or five years ago. Yeah, I know, I know. But that alone should have told you that he probably thought he was, because you know, why didn't he just hold on to it to death, you know? Because it was his little fun little thing to have, you know. And he'd already had all the money he ever needed. Right. So money wasn't the sole driver there, but. His comments about uh, Vladimir Putin are, um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on a British morning talk show, it's like. Well, it was, you, it, was, it was almost like you had to go back and read it twice to make sure he wasn't trying to be funny. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I exactly. It was like, uh, and you watch the interview and you're just like, I, I, I can't even believe what I'm seeing here. Right. 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 Yeah. Uh, so even with all those qualifiers I just put on it, it's still a jaw dropper. Oh, um, and uh, when you say I take a bullet for the guy, <laughs> I mean, wow. Well, let's go ahead and stand in front of him and we'll shoot two. Right? So we can, you take the first one, we'll shoot him. Yeah. In the second. And then and then there was like, uh, yeah, he's just like, well, you know, he was unhappy about I, he was just like talking about the invasion of a country like, you know. Somebody, you know, had a dog poop on his lawn and he wanted to go take care of it. Right. You know, it was pretty extraordinary. And I think, uh, yeah, between that and the and then there was the uh, uh, PK. Uh, PK comment. 
which seems like somebody worked really hard to turn that into an insult. But. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to figure that one out. I mean, I I know one Brazilian who could probably t- I mean, because I it seems like that it's really the definition of that word and how it's used, and you you need to speak to somebody that is well and truly there and use in the language, right? Yeah, but I mean, I, know I read some things both ways on that, but um, more important, I guess, more important to me, but. He said this like six months ago. I mean, like last fall, right? It wasn't, it wasn't like it was a contemporary quote about something. Somebody went back and dug up something from last fall and and then decided to translate it and make a deal out of it, you know, eight months later or something. And I just thought it was kind of uh, lame to do that. There's that. There's that other. Uh, where's that kid from? Moldova, maybe? He, he did a Carl Larson while playing video games. Again. Oh, yeah, he got fired from Red Bull or somebody. And he got fired from Red Bull for doing the exact same thing Kyle Larson did. Right. Um, well, some of them maybe he'll be back next year in a top drive. But, yeah, uh, I mean he could only be uh he could only be so lucky as to have that what happened to Kyle Larson's career afterwards uh, happen to him. You know, I, I was I was almost as shocked by uh Hamilton's comments. He said, you know, we just need to get rid of all these old people. <laughs> it's like, you know. Just why do we even talk to these old people anymore? They're, they're, Formula One's nothing like the way it was in their day, and and it's never going to go back that direction. So what do we need to talk to them for? Don't even talk to them. It's like just get them out of Formula One. Yeah, you're right. It's it's every bit as insulting. Um, so so like, ageism is okay, and not uh, and not any other isms, I guess. I know. While we're on the whole thing, one of the things that Alexander Hamilton and Total Wolf, maybe particularly Total Wolf in this case for me, we're, we're talking about Lewis Hamilton, right? Yeah, sorry. Did I say Alexander? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, I did see Hamilton the other day. Maybe it was on my mind. Right. Um, Lewis Hamilton. (laughs) The other thing about Alexander Hamilton is, you know, the guy did a lot. Um, He sure did. Even though he was old. Um, The thing that's kind of driving me a little crazy about uh, Hamilton and Total Wolf is this whole thing about booing. Right? And... Yeah. Curb, what are, uh, what what have we come to in sport where you can't boo somebody? Justin, you 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 don't get to do whatever you want just for your six hundred dollars to get into the race. It's it's ludicrous, isn't it? I mean, if I want to yeah, go, yeah, it's if, the most it's the most thin skinned, you know, out of touch responses I can think of. You know, to to be fair to to Lewis, he's saying, well, I don't think they should boo Verstappen, you know, and and. But and now and now they're and now they're cheering when Lewis goes into the gravel pit in uh, Austria, right? <laughs> right. And they they got a problem with that now too. But it's like I don't have a problem with any. Of course, I mean that's what that's what makes your sports. You got got guys you're rooting for and guys you're rooting against. Well, and and, and they they promote nationalism in in uh, Formula One, if I'm not mistaken, right? I of mean, course, I it's mean, a big it's, deal in the in, in, in Formula One racing. Yeah, and drive to survive and, and all this stuff. It's all about, you know, and like, what are you supposed to like, oh, cheer politely? I mean, is this in golf? Right. No, you know, I, yeah, that was, it was uh, totally out of touch and, and, um, you know, just shouldn't be, it's nothing he should be worried about. Yeah, and Total Wolf too. And I mean, these guys. They've they're they got so much money flowing their direction they're they're completely losing touch with reality, you know. And uh, I mean Bernie Ecclestone included in that group, but they're just they're losing touch with the world. I mean I and this isn't a political statement. It's like 
I want to be able to go to a basketball game or a hockey game and boo the team I don't like, right? And not right. be judged for it. So should I mean you shouldn't cheer when your team scores? Well, that's right. I mean, you just, or, or you just you shouldn't you shouldn't cheer when the other team misses a basket. You just yeah. carry these things on. I mean, I what what I the lessons we're teaching our youth or trying to teach our youth is just setting them up for a really painful life. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking of all the all the passionate crowds you see at a Formula One race after the race is over and they're all cheering this and that. I mean, do you do you have to look? Is it like the old days in uh, the Roman Coliseum where you have to look at the Emperor and see if his thumb goes up or down before you decide who to cheer for. <laughs> it's like, Look, it's not to, to all the youth listening to this podcast. It's not all sunshine and roses out there. All right. And you got to be tough. There's times you're going to have to be tough, even if it's against your nature. That's right. You can't just uh, curl up and, and wilt when uh, nothing goes your way for a day. Yeah. Or you, you will find yourself a victim for the rest of your life. When the, when the girl goes to the dance with Justin instead of Kirby, Kirby's just got to get over it, and, and uh, there'll be another day and another girl. You just got to keep your nose in the game. That's it. I, I'm done with talking about that. It's just it's disgusting to me. <laughs> it's disgusting that they're talking about being so polite. Going from Formula One to NASCAR, I happened to see when I was looking at the Paul Tracy article that uh, Kyle Busch has not signed his new contract yet. Could he be the mysterious third driver at Aero McLaren SP? No, no. That would make you fall out of your chair, wouldn't it, like Tony Kanon said? That would. But I think Zach Brown's looking for somebody that is does not need tr- you know training wheels for the first two years. Curb, um, can we go on to Toronto, the upcoming race? Here's First of all, haven't raced there since 2019, Curb. Right. Which somehow seems like a very long time ago. I, I, I got a list. I, I'm going to read you a list, and I know you shouldn't read lists on because you bore people. Mm-hmm. But here are the people that were in the la- that last race in 2019 that are no longer in the series. Are you ready for this? Go ahead. James Hinchcliffe, Sebastian Bourdais, Marco Andretti, Santino Ferrucci, Ed Jones, Zach Veach, Max Chilton, Spencer Piggott, Ryan Hunter Ray, Tony Kanan, Matthew Least, Sage Karam. I mean, that's a lot of people. 12 out of 22 drivers, over 50% of the field. Are no longer there. Yeah. That's pretty stunning, isn't it? Yeah. How long will it be before they comes up with that <laughs> after the release of this progress? You know what shocks me is that Paul Tracy's even talking to them. It is true. Uh, it was so offensive there during that one period when he was literally campaigning to put him out of a job at NBC. I just yeah. I can't believe if he's – clearly apparently forgiven him but yeah maybe tracy's one of those guys he just moves on you know yeah it was pretty cold oh it was ridiculous anyways back to this 12 of a 22 car field are no longer even in the series uh full time and so really when you look at uh toronto toronto and by the way i'll be in canada during this race curb i want you to attend uh because i'll be nowhere near toronto it's a big country okay yeah um but I'll have a feel from the populist curve. There you go. Get to yeah. see what the vibe is in Canada. Yeah, I'll, see, I'll see what the vibe is. Um, out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean fishing for salmon. I'm sure there'll be a lot of vibe out there. Right. Um, so I think to me, when you're looking at this field coming up, you got to look at guys that have been there and perhaps been there multiple times because it is a tricky track. There's uh, lots of different surfaces. There's lots of little tricks to the trade in that course. And then, of course, when the race starts – I mean, a lot of mayhem, a lot of knowledge to just stay out of trouble or know where the trouble spots are and, and to avoid them. 
And so you got to say that the the 10 guys that are returning there have a distinct advantage over the uh, others that are going to be there. Uh, I believe it's your pick, Curb, first. Oh, my goodness. Justin says go for the experience. Uh, it could have to be Mr. Newgarden, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be my first pick, yeah. I'm going to go Will Power. like him at this track. Didn't shine real well there last time around, but uh, I think he's uh, he's an experienced shoe there, would know the track, and you know with his current form, like him. So then that leaves me a little conflicted. All that rationale says that I should go for somebody like Dixon, but I'm not feeling Dixon this year. So I'll go for his mini-me and go for Paul Out. Okay. The guy has not been there before. Well, he'd never been to Portland before. He won that race, right? I mean, he's just, Yeah, he's, I think it's uh, different horses for different courses there. I think Palau will be okay. Okay. I think Palau might underperform in uh, Toronto. Okay, well, we'll see. Uh, Scott Dixon. All right, there you go. Uh, experience is going to count here. You know who won last time, Curb, do you? The uh, Mr. Pagano. One from the pole, I believe. He's very good at that track. Yeah, but he's on Meyer Shank Racing. Yep. So uh, let me try McLaughlin. I'm going to eschew wow. the uh, experience vector. Mm. So, like, that leaves me four people I would say that maybe I'd look at, which would be Pagano, Rossi, Herta, and Rosenquist. Was Herta there in 19? Uh, I guess he, he was. was. Yes, he was. Okay, Erickson was there in 19. He was there. And maybe a Colton Herta. I mean, as you said last time, he's he's due for a he's due for a race here. Right, can't fault you there. I'll keep coming back, folks, and listening to the show. And get rich off IndyCar racing. Get rich off IndyCar racing, and wait for our tip line to to open up. Twitter at Hero IndyCar H uh, H I R O IndyCar at H I R O IndyCar at Hero IndyCar. All right, we any sponsors? South Street Diner, Boston, Massachusetts. Mention this podcast, and the owner, Saul, will give you a generous discount. All right. Well, uh, have fun in Canada, and I look forward to hearing the vibe, uh, the Canadian vibe for the Toronto race. And uh, we'll be back here in a week and a half or so. Night, everybody. See you.